What up, everybody? It's your boy, Static the Manic Savage, a.k.a. the Distinguished Delinquent himself, coming at you with the pilot episode of the Whistleblowers Podcast. Whistleblowers is a podcast where youth and young adults can share their thoughts openly and honestly on the issues they care about most. This first episode is all about activism, and we get into some deep stuff. But over here, we believe that the more difficult the conversation, the more necessary it is to have it, especially for youth. Now, without further ado, let's hop right in. My name is Samara. I am 19, and if I can have a superpower, I have all the superpowers. My name is Ariana. I go to Reynolds High School. I'm a senior. Uh, you see her pronouns. And if I could have a superpower, probably reading other people's minds or invisibility. All right, my name is AJ. I'm 17, and I would probably say teleportation. That's basically like being invisible. Nobody will ever see you. Oh, I guess I'll go next. My name's Amira, and I was also going to say teleportation, but I think maybe the ability to fly. I've thought about this before, and I feel like the Black activists can feel anger. You know, we can feel everything that we've been feeling, and I feel like there is times where we can be violent and, you know, break stuff and you know burn stuff down because they 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 did it to our houses they did it to our schools they did it to our churches like and it's kind of like we seek that revenge or not revenge but like it's not karma but it's just that like it's like when we get out here and we put our lives on the line we're gonna do stuff to like like you, you might as well get it done before it's too late you know that's how I kind of think about it like when we're rioting or when you see it will specifically in Portland, I feel like when you see a lot of the rioting and looting, like especially in the beginning of the protest, that was mostly caused by the white people who are in Antifa that looked bad on us. But like if it's like violence on other people, I don't really condone that. Or like, well, you know, white supremacists attack us all the time. So of course if we're being attacked, we're gonna fight back. That's like like a reaction, you know, of course we're not gonna just sit there and let them beat on us or tear gas or bear mace us and all that stuff but unnecessary violence or like just uncalled for violence is not I feel like that shouldn't be a part of activism right I think when we talk about if if there's a place for violence and activism we should probably like define what violence is or what could be considered violence because I think it's really um, unfair to view, I guess, like physical displays of violence as just like an isolated event and not recognizing how like violence is inflicted onto black people in this country every single day um, in forms of structural violence. Um, like Ariana mentioned, like when they attack our schools or our churches, they make it so that being black in this country is already like a social determinant of health. And so it's, it's ridiculous to, um, I guess, say that there is no place for people to let out how, however they're processing what it is to be black in the United States, like in forms of aggression. So I think there is definitely a place. And it's also, um, I guess, like a display of power as well, because what we're fighting for is not something that the United States as an institution is going to willingly give. So sometimes it needs to be taken um, 
in ways that will hurt the institution. So, you know, targeting these, um, you know, like large corporations, burning things down, or just, you know, showing that people are willing to go this far, it's important. This reminds me of something that I, I heard. It was a Malcolm X, um, I'm not gonna quote it because I don't remember the exact quote, but what he was saying was um, that a lot of white people, what he kind of believes was that if they were to let black people free, people of color free, people um, that are oppressed to have the same rights, that they were scared that we would oppose the same oppressions that they did upon us. Um, so they're more scared of what's gonna come, you know, the consequences of what they did, which is somewhat backing the reason why they continue to oppress us because they're scared that we are gonna basically come back and, and get revenge if we do have that freedom and if we are treated right. So just with that being said, how do you guys feel about that? And also, would you would you say that there's a difference in what, what would be the differences in like the violence that they are showing versus the ones that you guys are standing up for or the people that are saying yes, that there's a place for violence? What would be the differences there? Well, I can answer the first question that yeah, you said. Ahead. I really feel like just jealousy like we really create like black people really created everything like think about it black people really created everything so there is jealousy is fear that that we're gonna take over and if they don't feel like they have that power then they think we're just gonna take over everything and they're gonna be the oppressed so it's fear right yeah i feel like it's both um just because I, I feel angry all the time. And if I didn't have, you know, people to talk about it with that, that anger, that rage would like build up inside of me. And with like mental health being so, or like mental health issues being so stigmatized, especially in the black community, um, you know, working in tandem with all of the mental stressors that come with being Black and not being able to talk about it or let it out or see how all of these like different institutions are working against you at the same time, it can be really like discouraging. And, and once, once that realization is made, there's no going back. And so that can cause a lot of anger. And and fear that like we won't we won't make it out on the other side and that this is just how it's always going to be have you guys ever heard of imposter syndrome there's this idea that especially um any especially in the criminal justice system but this can be anywhere if a teacher tells you you're stupid or um you know along those lines you go through a criminal justice uh or you go through a case and you're in the courtroom and everyone's looking at you and you're feeling judged, of course, as a judge above you telling you like, you know, what you're deserving of. There's this thing called um, basically imposter syndrome where we start to take on what society has made us feel like, even though it's just one mistake. And it's honestly usually just somebody or a group of people evaluating one little portion of our life that they know about. And from that one little judgment, we usually take on that, um, that role and it ends up it's, it's a huge spiral down. To, so that attack at our confidence, attack at our ego, like it's, it definitely does set us up for failure. So when 
as, as a person of color, especially hearing it from a lot of white authorities. Um, yeah, I could see how that could make you feel that way. And I'm sure a lot of us experience that. And there's just, there's kind of a word for it, um, but there's a lot to it. So imposter syndrome kind of encompasses all of that um, in the way, way we feel about ourselves and then the way we really start to portray ourselves um, in society because of how somebody made us feel over a situation that we, we were probably misunderstood in for the most part. Honestly, I feel, I feel like I can definitely understand why, but I feel like the real change, we're gonna make the real change when we start getting more support, supporting black businesses, getting pe people of color in higher positions in office, getting signing petitions, defunding the police, stuff like that is what a lot of, a lot more black people need to do that as well. Yeah, I honestly feel like there's a time for both in in this situation because it's so unique. Like, like um, we're living in a time where we literally can see injustices. And so the fact that like the people in power who are seeing this, like we've tried being Martin for a long time. I feel like for the majority of the time, I think that being Malcolm right now, like as a society, we can do that and it and having it be okay, even though they're telling us it's not okay. Like, I I most definitely agree with AJ, what he said. That part. That, that part. part. That part. But yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot behind that question. So I guess with that being said, what we were gonna ask next was, you know, we're just gonna throw it out there, January sixth, you guys. <laughs> what y'all think? <laughs> um, that that's white privilege. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's caucasity. Um, at its best. I'm sorry, but like, like that. There was no other reaction. Like, I was at work when I saw this picture, and the first thing that came to my head was to laugh because, yeah. like, without seeing the other pictures the first image that comes into my head was the National Guard being at the footsteps with the Black Lives Matter protest. We've been, we've like, as a group, like of, of black people of like, it, or just protesters in general, we've been dealt with so much like shit, like, oh, I don't, sorry. Oh, you, good. 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 you can bleep it out. You're good. You okay, okay, okay. Mind, okay. We, we have, we've, we've dealt with so much like, just backlash from like higher ups so to see like you know this is an inside job because ain't there's no way that it was so easy for them to go into a building that has a whole bunch of important people and there was only like and there was only five deaths total like of the of like roles reverse you know that this wouldn't have even been something that would have went viral if, it, if these were black people. Like, you know, like it wouldn't have been viral the same way this went viral, if that makes sense, is what I wanna say. Like, there would be no smiling faces. There would be no, there would be no kicking back. None of that. Like, it's just, it's pure comedy at this point because it's, it's you see this happening in real time. Like you see privilege happening in real time with that picture. I don't know about you, but that's what my like 
first initial Iraq, um, Iraq, yeah. Um, yeah. reaction was. On the note of Eugene Goodman, I don't know if any of you uh, knew, but he got promoted uh, after after this incident. He got promoted uh, to, I think, damn near second in command. I, I, I feel like I don't know if this article is going to say his exact role, but uh, he did get a promotion for his bravery. Do you guys know about the about the situation? I am very ignorant. What did he get? What... Oh, so okay, okay. Do you want to explain it, James? Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Eugene Goodman, this uh, lovely black man right here, he faced down an entire mob by himself. Um, he led them away from where elected officials were being held, um, literally solo. By, by like the the entire time, the only person that was with him was the person filming, and that person wasn't even with him. Um, so yeah, this this man faced a good 50, 60, 70 angry white folks by himself. Basically, what I think this comes to show is that if one black officer can literally not use violence to you know, basically defuse a situation full of white supremacists without any violence. I mean, I don't understand how, um, you know, an officer is that is white is shooting down an unarmed black man, one-on-one, -on -one, usually two-on-one. Like, it, I think it really comes to show that violence is not always needed. And there's so many other ways that the police can really take control. I mean, this man did it without violence with a whole mob he, he didn't shoot not one person yeah this man he did it without violence and i think that's that's a really important part of this and then also like he was very 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 smart and ended up um escorting kamala harris to the inauguration so um i didn't know that but that's what i just found out trying to look up how he was promoted i'm sure there's more information here uh, i can speak to this a little bit just because um I go to college in DC and I live in DC right now. And um, I was here throughout the whole fall semester. And when Biden was elected, uh, visited the Capitol and the, the White House multiple times. And there it's just unfathomable how they were able to get that far. It's not, it's not surprising to me that they um you know gathered and organized and that they were at steps like i if if one thing that 2020 has shown is that like trump supporters and these really like right-wing people they are a very um, like negative force to be reckoned with like they have organizing power it's not just you know the the sensationalized karens on video or like this stupid you know people like these are people in positions of power and it's just crazy to me how i can't go a single day in dc without seeing multiple like police officers police cars like there is such a heavy police presence in this city that it is just so like I guess suspicious that there was so little done to prevent this from happening and how they got that far and it's just like insane it's so insane and now there's like so many 
National Guard people, the entire downtown was blocked off. Like we are literally living in a police state because these people were able to get this far. Like they instilled fear in the capital of our country. And that is really disturbing to me because it's not like once once Biden is inaugurated, this all goes away. Apparently, it, it, there were some photos of um, officers kind of leading the way. Um, I didn't think that they were going to get caught um, on camera, but there were some officers like pointing people in directions to where they could, uh, to where to go to basically enter the Capitol. Yeah, it was, it's very interesting how easy they made it, especially because I mean, the Capitol is, when you try to enter DC, they, they already know how many people are entering DC at all times. Um, you know, they're protecting from terrorists from countries, other countries that they can't with the locals or domestic terrorists. It just shows like just the deep sense of entitlement that is instilled in so many white people that they really think that this is okay. Like I'm just looking at all of these pictures and I'm just like, imagine if, like thinking like that. <laughs> if we, the, yeah, I, I mean, in a, in a sense, I'm almost grateful that, um, I mean, that sense of entitlement, we don't, we can be a little, we're more humbled by it, but it's just so sad to see a group of people that really feel disentitled and, and the fact that they're screaming like, that it's their, you know, they're taking capital from them. It's like, what they're really saying is they're taking the capital from white people because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they're claiming that because they're white, the capital is theirs really, um, is the premise of everything they're saying, so. Right yeah. now, uh, it, it's it's pretty much a staple that you know whenever one of us is gunned down uh, by law enforcement, the offending officer is usually never charged or convicted, or ra rarely ever, rarely charged, never convicted. Um, so curious to know what your thoughts are on how they can go about convicting what a lot of people are labeling as a terrorist attack um made by american citizens um how do you think we can go about even bringing up charges against those people finding those people uh you know um they're catching them at the airport <laughs> they've been catching them mm -hmm. um but i do not believe like i don't know if you guys be watching the breakfast club or like uh because charlemagne often talks about how um how donald trump they're waiting for Donald because apparently you remember when Donald Trump was like for every statue that a person breaks or like for every like whatever da 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 that's 10 years and they were working on getting that process I'm gonna need that to be reinforced I know they're probably not gonna do that the little sentences that the, the people are about to get are nothing it's gonna be a slap on the wrist if anything like like it's white people they saw their cousins run up in the building and they were like, okay, like this was a setup from the beginning. I don't know, like, cause like, like Amira was saying, like it had to be planned. Yeah. There was no way that some place that is highly secure, 
just got broken into and people are just chilling. No, like this was planned. Those people that raided in there and knew that they were gonna raid in there, um, they knew that there was gonna be consequences. Cause at the end of the day, I think of the White House like a reality TV show. They're gonna do stuff for drama just to say that like this happened, you know? And I low-key feel like, I know this is like, I feel bad for saying, actually, I feel bad for saying this. I also feel like that black cop that like single-handedly stopped everybody was supposed to be like some type of ploy, like saying that, oh, you see, there's like a black, like stopping stuff. Like, But that's not, that's me not knowing like what the full story, but the whole thing doesn't seem right to me. Like, you know, those people aren't gonna, like, I have a feeling that they're not gonna be convicted for as long. Cause at the end of the day, they really tried to throw, like make a coup for the government, like overthrow the government. And at the end of the day, that's considered treason. And you should be, you should be thrown, you should be thrown in prison for years. And you know, that's not gonna happen. So I really like you how you brought up what Trump was thinking for um, the Black Lives Matter protest and his, uh, what he thought should be a proper punishment for those things. Um, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, his thoughts changed when it came to his people and the reason why so many people, it, it's almost like they were, it's, it almost resembles a Hitler in a sense, just on a smaller scale, definitely, but, you know, still large enough to make it a, impact but what he did was really like make people feel comfortable and and put himself up there like i'm gonna protect you i'm the president like we didn't lose this this is still ours you guys are safe to you know riot and take it back it's ours and he made it seem like he was going to be there to protect everybody now like that's never been the case whenever he's gone out and like everybody's got corona from his from his rallies and whatnot he's always like high above everyone like you know and when he does go out to the public he is wearing a mask like he doesn't, he's not usually there to protect them, but he makes them feel like he's there to protect them or that he has that that power that and he can protect them. And I think, how do you, I mean, now that they're seeing that, you know, they are getting arrested. I know that the case is, you know, unfortunately, and I'm not gonna, I don't wanna put this negative energy out there and say that nothing's gonna happen to them because I would hope that there's some responsibility being taken. And I'm really, my background is in restorative justice. So, um, I really do believe that there's a way to use dialogue, communication, mediation to to work things to, these things out. And this is a really tough one because a lot of people don't agree all the time. I'm sorry, my heater just went on, so if it's a little bit loud, I apologize. But um, with that being said, like now that they're seeing that Trump cannot support them, what do you think? Like they're thinking. Like, do you think that they're still feeling that they have that same privilege now that they've been arrested? Yeah, they haven't had the charges set yet but do you think there's any fear in them or do you think they still feel as privileged as before no <laughs> I don't I don't think that I mean there's a possibility with like um I guess a department of justice led by um you know somebody from the Biden administration that they would turn their focus to this as you know they these basically like insurrectionists uh, i don't want to say like um domestic terrorists because like there's a connotation with um the word terrorist but like 
I I don't think that most of the people there are going to like end up in prison. I I think a lot of them are going to lose their jobs if they are um, having been like exposed um, of being there like in their local communities unless their community condones like this behavior. Um, but I don't know. I mean, honestly, white people have done um a lot worse in the course of like human history and gotten away with it so i wouldn't be surprised if um a lot of people come out of this thing you know this attempt to thwart our government completely unscathed because that that is just kind of how like white supremacy operates in this country All right, fam, that brings us to the end of part one of this first episode. Thank you so much for listening in and being a part of our conversation. It was a lot of fun. And in the next part, we dive deeper into how youth can use their voices to advocate for the things that they need the most. Once again, if you made it this far, thank you so much. And if you enjoyed, please consider dropping a comment and sharing this first episode. We'd really appreciate it. And with that said, y'all take it easy.